Welcome to the I'm a Rescue podcast. I'm Tom Clark. I'm Steph Clark. And uh, this is the I'm a Rescue podcast. Today we find ourselves in Venice, California, home of uh, Jim Morrison. Oh, really? <laughs> We're yeah. interviewing Jim Morrison. He's not done. He moved out a while ago. <laughs> this is an old roommate. <laughs> Did he pay on time? <laughs> right. Uh, this is Jim's old roommate. It's actually a, a bit I do at parties in Venice that I stopped doing a while ago, but I'd be at a barbecue or party or somewhere, and I just someone was there, like kind of like visiting or new. I just say like, "Oh no, that's cool," you know. Like Jim Morrison used to live here. <laughs> like no way. I'm like yeah, and then I yeah. slowly walk away and see if it became a discussion man topic for everybody at the party. That's right. We're here with uh, Dennis Gubbins. Oh, that's me. Hi. How Dennis are you? Dennis Gubbins. Uh, I, for a while, I thought your name was Dennis St. Gubbins. Yeah. That used to be your uh, Facebook name, right? Mm-mm. No? But no, there's Dennis St. Hubbins was a character in uh, Spinal Tap. Right, but you had it as your Facebook. It, Did it I? Was in your profile because it would be Dennis St. Gubbins. I don't know. And it's based on David St. Hubbins from Spinal Tap. Yeah, David St. Did I do that? Yeah, yeah. Maybe years so, ago. Yeah. yeah. I don't recall. You Tinder site, too. Yeah, yeah, everything. That's why no swipes. Maybe Back. that's why there's no swipes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. St. Gubbins. This guy sounds religious. <laughs> uh, Dennis is a, a comedian, writer. Some, sometimes, yes. Comedian, writer, actor, uh, producer. producer. You, you do it all. You're I've a, done a bit of everything. Quadruple threat. Not enough of all of them, but a bit of all of them. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Keep no, you. Tom, forever. New to meeting Steph, very funny comedian, did my show recently. Yes, thank yes. Great you. job. Yes. But Tom, you and I met, what, 20 years ago? Or whenever? 20 years ago? When did you wow. move to LA? 2001. So then I probably met you then. Really? I think it was pretty early on because I moved here in the late 90s and met the circle of comedians that we're all friends with around then. Okay. Because I was doing stand up at first and then I stopped. Oh, okay. I then, but I still would hang out and go to shows and stuff. I was doing more improv and. Do you remember where we met? I was trying to ask. No. <laughs> Steph was asking me when we met. I was like, I don't I can't know. remember. I just remember meeting you. I don't know. Could it have been Pedersen days? Oh, yeah. yeah. Could have been uh, probably like uh, after probably, that. Uh, West Unurban or something? Or brewing. Yeah, brewing Unurban company or, or Brewing Company. And then yeah. just around probably parties and seeing you like right. Joe Wagner, Tom Clark and yeah. those guys. Right. Yeah. Um, Tom Sharp. Tom and, Sharp. I mean, yeah. you're Tom Clark. Yeah. Tom Sharp. And uh, I was always confused when you first met the two of them. I was like, which right. one's Tom Clark? Which one's Tom Sharp? <laughs> There's Joe Wagner. And what was his friend's name? Aaron. Uh, do you remember? Aaron? I don't remember. Aaron. Oh, they People are f- going to be doing a lot of Googling. Yes, yes. they are. Some great um, folks. Anyway, yeah. so we've known each other for a while. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, Dennis, uh, yeah, he runs a great show at Westside uh, in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. It was a monthly show. Once a month, every second Thursday, called yeah. The Laugh Party. It's and packed every time we've been there. And yeah. always a celebrity drop-in. There's always yeah. a Usually, la- yeah. Usually when I was somewhere. there, Dimitri Martin, I think, showed up last mm-hmm. time I was there. Yep. Zach Galifianakis will do it on occasion, our old buddy. Uh-huh. Um, Ali Wong is one of those people. People like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, so yeah, it's, it's a great show. But the great lineup, lineup alone without that person is always a great show right. anyway. Yeah. So. Totally. And, and last, I give the proceeds to a local charity. So. And last That's time nice. I was there, your whole family was in the audience. Oh, yeah, and you were hilarious. <laughs> my uncle, my aunt and uncle, and their old friends, they're all 70s now. mid Early mid-70s, all old kind of Vietnam vet era. Uh-huh. They were in the war, and they're also then turned hippie kind of people, and they're old stoners now. <laughs> And my hu- uncle has a great handlebar mustache, and he did some <laughs> riff on him. I have it on video. It made me laugh so hard. I uh, forget, but you you were doing some great crowd work with them. They had a great time. Oh, yeah, that was a yeah. fun audience. I don't really think fun. Dimitri liked that I did all that crowd work. Yeah, 
He set the bar though. He he had a good show too. But you were hilarious. You did great that night. Yeah. It's, I always uh, when I run my shows, I always screw up other people because I'll have Tom go up before the headliner. Right. And it's like a, that's a hard spot, but mm-hmm. they handle it well. Yeah. It's like if you can follow Tom, then yeah, you're the headliner. I like spot. following people who are good personally. It's either yeah. bomb or be really good. If you're like good, good, I'm kind of like, okay. Cause it's a weird competitive, like weird thing of like, if they just bomb now, I really got to step it up and bring this shit back. And if they crush, you're like, okay, I better not crush, not do it. But if someone's just kind of like, oh, that was good. And then you go like, and here's the next one. You're like, okay, here right. I am. I had to go up after uh, David Spade and Chris Rock one night Whoa. at the improv. They're like, they bumped me back. I was supposed to like do 20 minutes. And then they're like, oh, Dennis, or, uh, David Spade and Chris Rock. But yeah, I think I think the thing I but learned. But then you made fun of grownups too, and it was right. so funny. And <laughs> oh, like, well. he, he can handle it. Chris Rock's yeah. intro was he's going to be in grownups too. I was like, first of all, why does he need that? Yeah. Intro? So many what unanswered questions. Yeah. That's what you said. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and he uh, he got a kick out of that. And, and those of li- you listeners who don't know, Tom Clark, get on him, follow him. He's a funny man. Oh, <laughs> this is turning into my podcast. Um. But Dennis, uh, so I, do you? No, I was telling someone the other day about your video, like when you shoot yourself—not shoot yourself, when you video <laughs> yourself. I mean, it is a form of shooting, but when you video, like the phone calls you have with those oh, uh, yeah, the with scammer. the spam callers, really funny bit, really good stuff. Oh my god, I love. Oh, we love when they call. We're so oh, excited. you get excited. We, we once like wasted a whole like Tuesday. Yeah, right. Like, it was like a rainy I know. Tuesday, and then it inspired me. I mean, I've done that stuff before, but then after that, I kind of was like, "Don't get angry, just see what happens." Like you know, right. and I did, and the guy gave me a name where I was like, "Really? That's your name?" And he was like, "Yes, it is." I'm like, "So wait, so your father's name is also right. Hernandez, even though you sound like you're in India right now." Right. And it was like, seriously, he's like, "Yes, no, that's my name." I'm like, right. "Okay, cool. So your great grandfather, what was his name?" Right. Okay, I don't have time for this, and then he hung up on me. And I was like. Matt Champagne has a funny bit about that. It's like how they overcompensate. And it's like, my name is Hot Dog Baseball. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, they, they overdo it. It's always like Bob Smith. Yeah. It's like, just put a little effort, like Google yeah. American names. Right. Tom Clark, some would be questioning right now. That's right. I don't yeah. even know if I'm Steph real. Steph Clark. They're going to take our names. You guys are like the natural born killers. Oh, that's a reference. <laughs> People don't remember that movie, but um, guys, Google that movie. <laughs> All right, let's get on with it. We yeah. can edit this out. As so, um, so yeah. So Dennis, uh, are you? Oh, My dog Leland's here. Leland's here Who's as well. Yep, golden, beautiful golden retriever that somehow someone had to give away, and my ex-girlfriend and I found him when we should have broken up because we already had two dogs. We got a third dog instead. Right. I and remember. Then, yeah. I remember one time over Christmas you were going on. You lived right on the beach. Right? Yeah, years ago. And then uh, he was. Like, he put the offer. I was like, Hey, does anyone want to watch our dogs? And I was like, Yeah. And Did it was you? right when we started dating. So oh, wow. I was like, oh, that'd be sweet for yeah. Christmas to be on the beach. And then you, I think you found somebody. Oh, right. There. Yeah, that probably would have been. No, that would have been this house. I first, when I lived really close to the beach in Santa Monica, that was like 1999, 2000. I lived in this tiny little apartment right mm-hmm. on the boardwalk just north of Santa Monica Pier. Cool. Two doors down was Donald Sutherland, which was cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw him one time. <laughs> That's like we, we shot a video at in Lake Sherwood, which is uh, up in... Uh, sort of up in uh, Westlake area. Oh yeah, and and the guy and the guy took us out on his little boat through the lake there, and he's like, oh yeah. And that Tom Petty lived next door to him, but he was mm-hmm. never there. Right. And he just this huge mansion, and then I think uh, 
uh, Sylvester Stallone was building a house there, and it's just like they, and then he never finished yeah, it. Yeah, none of them live there. Yeah. Wow. And it's yeah. just like this amazing area, and it's just like, God, it's, they just throw their. I mean, I guess it's probably an investment. Their mm-hmm. management tells them to do that. Um, but let's get into Dennis. Let's De- talk. Dennis, uh, so I, I know you're an actor. Hold I, on. I, I think I need to put this dummy outside because he's going to be wanting to play know. fetch. Oh, no, just go get on the couch. Go lie down. Lie down. Aww. Stay Dogs. there. Good. See? Uh, what a well-trained <laughs> dog. For those of you who can't see at home, he went. He we're, didn't we're stay there. We're playing fetch on the podcast. Yeah. Um, he's no, a, no. <laughs> he's a ridiculous dog. Okay, so, yes. Um, I am an actor. Commercials mostly. So, yeah. So, I always wanted to ask you about this commercial. There's a commercial. I, I, don't, I think it might be for Sprint, but it's you handing, I think it's a cat. It was oh, a puppy dog. Puppy dog yeah. over. I always, like, what is that? Uh, is, All ooh. right. He's going outside. <laughs> Hold on. All right. We're going to pause it. Just, he'll bark now. He's such a needy friend. Okay. Uh, wait. Um, so uh, I always wanted to ask this about uh, that. Co- there's a commercial you did where you're handing a puppy over mm-hmm. a bush. And One what, of the best days ever. Aww. And uh, what was it? What commercial was it for? Humira. Humira. Yes. Is that the audition? Is Was the audition like? No. Yeah. Oh, that's a funny. That's a good story. Well, so in the spot, yeah, I'm handing my uh, a dirty puppy over like hedges to my neighbor who has a new puppy. And when I got there, they had three of these puppies that were all the same litter and same age. And they were like two months old and they were well trained, like a fully grown. It was crazy what they would do. And they wouldn't let me interact with them as much. But I had known the woman who had the dog thing from a different show I worked on. And I was talking to her, I was like, come on. And she's like, okay, just don't let anyone know. And she let me play with them for a minute, but it was like the best day on set. <laughs> so the audition was like a group of people go in the room, and it's one of those where they ask you questions like, hey, what do you like? What are your things? And I'm a dog person. I love dogs, always have. And they had a dog in the room, and it went up to everybody, and it came to me and turned away, and it literally like broke my heart. <laughs> it was like, not only are you going to cost me a fucking job, you asshole, but like, to have a dog not like me is like pretty brutal. Right, like, I right. mean, come on. <laughs> and so it was this thing and my friend and I, we were laughing. I was like, well, fuck, I didn't get that one. And next thing you know, I booked it. And then, that's, yeah, that was it. Crazy. It was it was one of those where I think, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I had an audition where it was for John Landis and oh, he was God. directing a Snossages commercial. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so it was the same thing. Oh, where they... no, I wish I didn't know that about John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They all do it. Though. He's in the room. He's yeah. in the room, and and then uh, the same thing. The dog comes in. He had to pay in. for his house next to Tom Petty. The <laughs> <laughs> and the dog came up to me, and yeah, there was no connection, right. and I I did not get that uh, Snossages audition. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's amazing to, yep. when a dog determines your fate. I know. I was very surprised. Because um, yeah, I always wonder that about certain things where it's like so they just asked you questions about yeah. do you love dogs yeah they asked you if you like dogs and everything and we're like yes i love dogs you know blah 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 blah, blah. and then he's like okay we'll meet our dog <laughs> yeah and i was just like oh no and then yeah that was a classic uh commercial i mean should we bore people with this like commercial like that's <laughs> how you make money as an actor it's great yeah when they run when they don't run it's like mm. You get a little bit of money, but booking them, it's like a lottery, you know? Right. And that one was, I showed up and the director was this character smoking a big cigar. And he's like, yeah, this is a great one. No, this one, he's like, this is going to get you a sitcom deal, kid. Like that kind of a thing. <laughs> I'm like, what? Don't say anything. Don't jinx it. He goes, oh, no, 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 that You're just going to make a shit ton of money. All right, let's go. Kind of that thing. All and right. I was like, you fucking just jinx this thing. Like, there's no <laughs> way. And it didn't run for 
two years. Oh, wow. And I was like, this sucks. And everyone I knew was like, oh, Humiris, those run for five years. Those are the best. You make, I made 300,000, whatever, all these numbers, and it's just annoying. And then, uh, and then I booked another commercial for a, comp- a pharmacy company, mm-hmm. same thing, competitor. And I couldn't shoot it because of this one. It was this whole th- rigmarole. And then it finally f- started airing. And it aired for like a year, maybe six months, a year. Wow. And now I've seen 35 new Humira spots. So <laughs> if you don't want commercials to run, book Dennis Gubbins. <laughs> <laughs> but what was your biggest uh, commercial? Uh... I think the biggest one was years ago. It was a Coors Light one uh-huh. where I have a good line. Like it's a, it's a, one of those that was in the stands of a baseball game. And there's a um, bachelor party. Uh-huh. And the beer guy's like, we're like, hey, beer guy. And then he's like, oh do you take this beer to be your lo- your beer for this game and blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like nodding. And then it cuts to me and I say, I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Uh-huh. And I do this fake cry thing. And oh, yeah. uh, that one aired and it was during our commercial strike. So it aired a lot. Oh, yeah. And so people saw it and people would recognize me from that one. And people thought I was Louis C.K. And people would think <laughs> Louis C.K. was me in New York. They're like, you're the dude from that commercial. And then right. we met each other. And we were both like, oh, that's annoying. I'm like, well, it's also annoying to be thought to be you. Especially now. <laughs> and now it's even worse. Right. So you met him before. Yeah, I met him years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Years ago. And I was always mad that I didn't get to play his brother or do something with him. And now it's like, come on, dude. You ruined that for all of us. Right. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> and you are just a scummy jerk. Right, right. Every guy was like, when Louis became yeah. big, they're like, oh, this look works yeah. now. And then it's like. Yeah. Nope. And then now, nope. now there's thousands of redheaded guys with beards at auditions. And <laughs> fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> right. That's him. It's it. Uh, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was probably the biggest, like the most recognizable one. Mm-hmm. And then I've been in enough, uh, like with little parts. I like the ones where you're just in it just enough. Right. To know? get the check. Yeah. And, to get yeah. the money. Do you, is there, I've never had much luck with commercial audition. Is, yeah. is there a key? Do you find, is there a secret to, I mean, I, I know it's random, but do it's you, random and it's look. And I think part of it, yeah, you got to, I mean, truly it's that easy thing of like, act like don't give a shit, you yeah. know, go in there, ad lib, have fun and let them see that you're a fun person to work with. Truly. That's what I try to do. Right. And I even got a job because the woman, the director was like, we all just were saying like, you have fun. Looks like you'll have fun doing anything. Right. And I ended up driving a golf cart and I was like, that, you know, that was it. Yeah. You have that yeah. personality where yeah. people want to be around you. Right. Well, I, I bring it on in those rooms and like, yeah, it's part of the doing it now for 20 some 20 years. Yeah. Like you kind of figure out like, yeah, outside I'll be like, this sucks, but traffic and sitting here again, I'm not on a sitcom. I'm still doing this. And then the room is like, Hey, how's it going? You know, you got to become this like <laughs> right. that guy's fun right and meanwhile that, inside you're like god i wish i was doing anything but and that's true with everything isn't it it's yeah. like it's like yeah. who do i want to hang out with for yes. the day like it's like that's a big part of acting yeah. it's like it's a huge if you're not a that. big star it's like well this guy yeah. at least will be fun yeah. to talk to for and that was kind of yeah i've been on jobs where people are like complaining like i got to the hair and makeup and i think the lead actress in the spot had been there 15 minutes before me and the makeup woman was like, she's awful. And I was like, Oh no. (laughs) I was like, she's like, what? She's like, I just, I don't, she's just an awful, awful person. And I was like, Oh, that's no good. And then that commercial never ran. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder if it was, something but it's never that because they're they're spending money on it. But yeah. Yeah. So the commercial thing is weird. I've had all kinds of things happen. I was literally on set shooting a commercial and the director said that an ad woman agency person said that I look too much like a guy in another spot. Oh my god. And gosh. during a take 
there's like an office scene and do you know Thomas Fowler you guys know Tom uh-uh. great actor funny dude he does he and Pete Carboni now do a comedy duo oh, okay. he's in a ton of commercials and he's really funny he's a really talented guy so he and I were in it we knew each other so we were having fun and we switched it up like the vibe of the shoot like I was supposed to be his boss and they're like hey you guys are too similar maybe you're just co-workers and then I'm standing up and I feel background actors going here and there and then all of a sudden I see that feel a different person and I kind of looked and it's like this guy Derek Miller I know and I'm like they're like okay kind of go he goes well he said uh he said hey how's it going to go what are you doing in my commercial and everyone laughed and cut and then the director's like okay so Derek's gonna do it now and I literally had to take my shirt off put it on him and walk away with this weird wife beater undershirt, <laughs> like oh. so embarrassed and humiliated. Right. And was like, okay, cool. And then he did a few takes, took the shirt off, put it back on me. We did, we both did a few takes. Oh my God. And the guy was like, this is the weirdest thing. I'm like, it's not, I mean, it's just, that's weird. And then they're like, okay, so I was supposed to shoot the next day. So I came back the next day, shot a different spot. So I think they messed up on the first day. And I shot the next spot, and then that day the director got Thomas, Derek, the guy who took my place in the first one, and I to audition for these Canadian beer commercials that we then in, ended up booking and flying to Canada to do. So it worked wow. out, but it was one of those things of like, holy cow, if I didn't have the next shoot date, and then that didn't happen, and I was in a commercial, and they were just like, no, you're not that, you're not right, in the right. middle of it, I would have been pretty bummed out. Wow. And it's still just a weird one. Well, Steph had something where she was. So I overcame that. <laughs> <laughs> and then. I like, we told Dennis <laughs> that this is a story about overcoming uh, yeah. difficulties. So that's the rescue story. That's Thank my you guys resume. very much. Yep. <laughs> guys, if you book a national commercial, it's still going to work. Right. Out. <laughs> well, but Steph yeah. had a, a job teaching. She was mm. teaching nursing students uh, like who had English as a second language. Uh, English uh, and trying to cover English like in three days the entire wow. subject this of English. school is a scam. Holy yeah. cow. So this was like a testing school and it was to help improve their test skills in especially in the English field. So one day Steph's in there and there's just a guy sitting in the back of the room taking notes and the guy's like uh, yeah I guess they're going to hire me to teach here. Yeah later he he found me on Facebook and said hey that's I was there to take your place <laughs> and like didn't want the job because it seemed like such a shady and i didn't want to be there i mean tom was like really helping me out trying to (laughs) i was trying to give it a a shot you know teaching it just wasn't for me i didn't understand a lot of the english rules of english i'm like how is that a rule like commas for nurses too yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And so I was like, So oh, where were they going to be? Like nurses, like home nurses? Or they were going to, they were taking the course to, for, to take this test to get them Were they them from into the nursing. Philippines mostly? All over. Mexico yeah. and. Well, this reminds, because it reminds me of, I was an acting teacher at a film school in the Philippines. Wow. And there they have huge schools for nurses, and a lot of nurses go to America right. or from the Philippines like they're home care nurses they're wonderful people and they're good at it and they have major universities for them so I was just wondering if that was it but yeah I've had that too where I did a scam job where it was like why am I here right and I came up with the saying those who can do those who can't teach and those who can't teach teach in the Philippines <laughs> <laughs> should be a shirt it's a very limited uh, market yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that's a weird one. Yeah, yeah so I was like gig. training the person that was going to replace me. Oh, that's brutal. I did that as a chef, as a pantry chef. Just when I was in college, I got a job as a line pantry chef doing salads and desserts at a high-end restaurant in my hometown in Mill Valley, California, Northern oh, California up there. Yeah, beautiful place. Great place to grow up. 
I don't know about now. It's a little ridiculous. It's just like everywhere. Just rich people come in and ruin everything. Um, <laughs> or richer, I guess. We got a lot of rich people in our podcast that yeah. listen to this. So. Oh, sorry, rich people. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe fuck off. Oh. Well. <laughs> now we lost them. There, there goes, you our, go. there goes our sponsors. Yeah. We, rich we don't people. have sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> We're kidding. But I was uh, working for this opening of a restaurant, and I knew I was going to leave to go back to school, and I, I was not super honest about that. So it, the karma works out. But I worked a double shift, trained a guy, and then was fired by the assistant chef the next day. Oh right. And I was like, oh, cool. So I worked a double shift, busting my ass, doing this. I literally had to do, like, salads where it was, like, duck salad tossed in a bowl and people watching you. And then dessert was, like, a squeeze bottle of chocolate sauce. You had to make a design oh, yeah. on a creme brulee, put the sugar on, burn it, like doing wow. tons of stuff. And then it was like, I needed a, like, there needed to be two of us, not one guy who you think could do it all. Anyway, that restaurant failed, but the guy fired me. And then I was, this is what me like being angry little dude back then. I think I was 20. I went in the next day and confronted the head chef because I was like, you don't have the man. You're not man enough to fire me yourself and blah, 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 blah. Oh. And I went off on him. And I, then I was like, by the way, I'm going to study abroad in Venezuela right now. Wow. Because I overcame that. I overcame. <laughs> Again, we don't have to push <laughs> oh, the overcoming. Overcame you don't have to announce every time <laughs> you overcame something. Overcame being a, able to go to college and then go to another college right. while in college. That was that was a tough one. <laughs> I overcame, overcome. All right. Um, wow, well, that reminds me, too, of... Uh, like these firing story of like getting dismissed. So I we I worked on a cruise ship uh, in May. Was it May? Yeah. I and so. uh, and they I did my. Well, Tom didn't want to. I didn't want to go on the first. And they were place. like, whatever, free trip to Cuba. I got Ooh. to go with Ooh. them. Yeah, nice. and cool. Steph went with me, and uh, so I was very standoffish about the whole well, thing. Because you do road, you're out there a lot or a fair amount, fair right? amount, fair no, amount yeah. cruising around. Yeah. So what would be, sorry to no, go spin ahead. this back on you, but like, why would a cruise, is that somehow like, do you look, think you look down on it? Have you done them before? Cause I've never done them. I've never done road comedy either. I'm, right. I do it once or twice a month. Around I, d- town. I just feel like it's something like, yeah, like cruise ship comic is sort of you're like, like you know, I don't want to do it, that. Yeah. It's, I it, hear you. it feels like that's something you do when you're done with comedy. Or, right. So still I, though, there's so yeah. many. And, and now there, and I'm not knocking it, but for me personally, it just felt that way. It, yeah. it just felt like I was leaving LA and not right. pursuing what, what you I want really to do. So I, you know, you're gone for seven or eight days and there's yeah. like a day of travel on either side of that. So now it's nine days. And then like, luckily Steph got to go with me, but, uh, you know, the, the ladies telling me what they're doing and she says like, Oh, the cruise director comes up and she does some crowd work. I was like, well, I was going to do some oh, wow. crowd work stuff. And it's like, but that's fine. And, and she's probably better at crowd work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then you do this 10 minute warm up set and you're supposed to do a 45 minute clean show later on in yeah. the trip. So I did this 10 minute warm up set and it goes okay. You know, I'm a little bit nervous. Well, cause but... he's taking bits that normally aren't his best of 10 because he, I don't know if you've seen his full 45, but he has a montage at the end oh, wow. where he plays Barbara Streisand's memories, memories yeah. Oh, yeah. and recaps like all of the bits. Oh, funny. Like in a minute. Yeah. yeah. So to take, it's hard to separate and do a 10, 10 minute warm up. Yeah, to do a 45 minute clean and then the, do the yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. So I was going to do crowd work and sort of, I, I have like a made up song I do with the guitar and it was, didn't hit as well. But anyways, I didn't have internet. So apparently between the time of that show and then my 45 minute show, which I did, 
I check my email finally, and this is after I've done my 45 minutes. They had fired me. And it went well. Yeah, and it went well. (laughs) They had fired me the day before this 45 minutes. What? So So instead of firing him to his face, they emailed, you know, they emailed emailed his his manager. manager. Yeah, yeah. And and my agent's like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't, this is all news to me. And I did the 45 minute set and they didn't say anything. So they never confronted me about like. Holy weird. and, And when I confronted them, just like you, they were like. Oh, no, no, we didn't do that. I was oh, like, yeah. I was fired. I was asked not to <laughs> oh, yeah. return. But the thing is, when you get fired on a cruise ship, they don't, like, whisk you off. You're just on the cruise ship. And you're and I, like, told Steph, I was like, yeah, yeah they fired me. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to go to the buffet. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we just were like, cool. Crab let's, legs. Like, Crab let's legs. Go party. Right, right. We, just, yeah. we were fine with it. For sure. We well, just, you did your thing. They can't not pay you. Or, you know, right. They that. had to pay us, and we got off the ship early, and we ran into... Yeah, which was great, because seven Cuba. days was too long. Yeah, we went to Cuba. Yeah. We went to so what did you do, fly home from there or something? We So we were going to fly out on a Monday, so instead it was a Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they so, just changed the flight for us, and it wasn't so a big we, deal. Nice. We got back to port, and then they kicked us off. And then you're in line with other people that are leaving the boat. Yeah, like one, the guy, guy. one guy has a black eye. We're like, what happened to him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like a musician who got into a fight the night before. Oh, so it's like it's like all, all the like refugees like getting booted off the boat yeah. like, like for various infractions. Jeez. Oh, my God. It was so humiliating. But uh, Yeah, I one time had an agent send me a form letter dropping me from their agency while I was on a veil for a commercial. And a veil is the one, you know, so you, right, get right. A call, you get called into an audition. You get a call back if they like you. You get put on a veil if you're like top two, three, four choice or something, right? So you're about right. to book something. So I called her up. I was like, hey, so I got this form letter, but I'm on a veil for this commercial. So what's the deal with that? She goes, oh, no, no, ignore that letter. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Right. And then once that commercial went away, I, I left and got a new agent. I was like, you scummy motherfucker. Right. I, I had that so when I moved to LA. People just don't want to be, they just, I don't know, yeah, they're, they're afraid of confrontation yeah. or what? I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Too direct and also like yeah. knowing that if I booked that commercial, I would have grounds to then be like, I'm taking this and my talents to South Beach. <laughs> That's a LeBron reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lee Lynch. Shh. All right. Um, yeah, that's the hard thing is when they just, they just, I, I had my college agent drop me as soon as I moved to LA and I was like, and I was like, I looked at the website, I was like, oh, my picture's not up there anymore. And, mm. and they're like, yeah, we, uh, we had to drop you. And I was like, huh, let me know. Like, yeah. I don't want to check the website. Yeah. Um, that's, that's but gross. that's, that's sort of the nature of show is nobody wants to be the one who says so we no. both we both overcame that <laughs> boy here we go again <laughs> again we don't have to announce you did as well yeah that's yeah. A, yes. we've all done that we've, we've all, all been through a lot <laughs> overcome a lot <laughs> we're heroes what else guys. what else can we talk about guys well i mean i i so one of the big things dennis did was he was a, a writer and producer on enjoy it with uh, brody stevens uh who you know passed away uh last Recent. month yeah and uh, is so sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, still did, shocking. Sad. Yeah, I, I still think about it like every every time. You know, I drive through the valley every day. And oh yeah, you can't not. You think can't about not it. think right. of Sadakoy and yeah, every right. name, every street. And I like that's the thing I was saying to someone at the memorial was like the guy is going to live on with anyone and all of us who saw him and do comedy. Like I do audience warm up on occasion. I've done it. And like, mm-hmm. there's times when I'm hosting a show where you just start going into Brody. Right. You can't help it. Like you just, I mean, I've seen him so many times, obviously working on that show and, and knowing him for 20 years, 
but also just that thing of like it's so powerful and easy to do in a way of like you glasses on your fold like arms folded low and no energy where are you from but like you can, right. i almost start doing the tone and i would call it out i'd be like oh i'm doing brody now like i couldn't help it right. and now that now it's just kind of like yeah it's just a sad thing of like mental illness mixed with medications yeah yeah and then and just show and we, we were talking just about all the rejection in show business and oh yeah it's not taking it's yeah. i no. mean it's a mix of all that it's stuff a, it's a weird thing that it's like a business that you need to have super thick skin for but you also need to be really sensitive and open and you know yeah empathetic and right. happy you know be in touch with your feelings to be an actor you can't go into right. a room and have to cry about something awful and be so rigid and closed off like you have to open up so then now you're this person open up to these feelings and then you get crushed because you didn't book something i had an audition where i cried twice on like on cue perfectly and i walked out and the casting director this was just for a commercial gun control commercial it was heavy wow like a, one of those good ones and i, I walked out and was like kind of dazed and i came out and the casting director like grabbed me by both shoulders and was like thank you so much for that that was amazing i go Aww. cool didn't get a call back. <laughs> didn't right. even like call, like didn't even get like the, the, like to go meet the director call back. Like just like, okay, cool. They went a different direction. Right. But, like that's the thing you have to live with. It was like, no one's ever going to know that or see that. Like that's not going to pay my bills, but I feel better as an actor, but it's still like nothing. Really. Yeah. And then, you know, you do that and like you guys, I don't do as much stand up as you guys, but like that was part of the reason why I stopped doing stand up years ago was like, it was a depressing group of people. In a lot of yeah. ways where you go do shows and then sit around and talk about like you're making jokes about not getting laid and things aren't going well. And then it's like, no, that's real. That's <laughs> life. And like that's, yeah. you know, the but life of a lot of comedians is like kind of a lonely, yeah. super high, great time show. And then back to the hotel room and it's like, now what? Yeah. And or drugs, just different yeah, waves of different emotions yeah. for sure. I have a hard time hanging out with comics in general. I, I need positive comedians like i yeah. can't i can't have the people that are depressed or bitching about the business yeah. it's like i need yeah. so uh, it's always been hard for me to like to go to the improv or comedy i store always thought the comedy store was a real dark place like i never yeah. really buy like did a lot there and then working on brody show there i was kind of like yeah like we'd go there and film him at like 1 30 in the morning on a tuesday oh. doing his stuff and i was like wow this is just you have a different level of commitment of passion of all of it Right, because I would not be doing this. Did you still feel that way <clears throat> shooting at that time, like that it was a dark? Back then, like I did. I don't anymore. I think it's changed a lot there. A lot yeah. more people are performing there. It seems to be, but it's still like it's that's the, I mean, just the the black walls painted in there. It's mm -hmm. such, it's a real dark kind of building and vibe. Yeah. Well, they say it's like haunted. And yeah, and then like, the whole haunted thing with yeah, like the guy yeah. who jumped off the parking garage next door. Right, right. Killed himself right there, you know, like cuz he couldn't get stage time and stuff. Right. Oh, right? When did that happen? I think in the late 70s maybe. Yeah, it was like Early during 80s. Uh, Steve Lubetkin, I believe it was yeah, his name. Yeah. That was like gnarly like I've never off, heard of or that. Or the Hyatt Regency. Yeah. yeah, he jumped off the top of the building. That's um, but yeah, yeah it's uh, but yeah, it's, so it's like it's such a That's why I've never like been big on like getting being a regular at any of these any of the clubs like i mean i'm a regular i guess the hollywood improv but yeah. i'm not you know they know me but i don't really perform there that often right i just i don't know i just think it, it's a really a, such a desperate business that it can really affect your comedy oh for sure and uh yeah, yeah. affect everything about your life and yeah it's crazy it's because you have to be super driven you have to do it want to do it six seven eight 10 times a week. Right. And that the stage time is hard to come by now. 
mm-hmm. and just I don't have that energy. I never had that desire and energy. And there'll be times I'll do two, three shows in a week and feel good, like oh yeah, I'm feeling. And then the next show is just pour up, and I'm like, all right, that was not fun at all. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, it's it's a tough business, and Brody was so good and into it and loved it. Right. But do, dealing with him on his show with his bipolar and his you know depression right. and him he you know I don't know if I was speaking out of turn, but it's all in the show. But he you know didn't really want to admit that he was bipolar, and that was a big yeah. Part of he it. really had a hard time. Yeah, with that. and it was weird. It was like, but you're okay with being depressed and taking medicine and talking about that openly and being telling crowds that you're right. on Matuda and all these things, but like. Why is by it was so frustrating and sad. I think, it was like just get on the proper meds. And I think he had just switched his meds and was not it wasn't jiving with him. And I think that's what right. was the thing that finally made his brain go, We're done. Yeah, so I sort of want to talk about the journey of that show because it, oh, yeah. it went it went started so oh, yeah. uh, how did it uh how did it what was like the sort of the the birth the of the birth idea? Of, well, Zach Galifianakis um, has known Brody for 20 years, right. right? Friends of his, they got along great, good buddies. Brody always made Zach laugh, like just like you know, they're just good friends. Mm-hmm. And I've known Zach about the same time, a little longer. Had been friends, so that's how I met Brody was through Zach, like hanging out with Zach, and then all of a sudden Brody would show up, and he'd just be Brody, right? And just this big, imposing, physical guy as well as loud voice and just the tone and you know the confidence he always had like a party like in that commercial earlier i referenced with uh, me crying i told myself i wasn't gonna cry right was always how brody would greet me i'd see him (laughs) and be like gubbins i told myself i wasn't gonna cry like he'd do the line and like that was his thing he had it with everyone and he did it with every like that's just to like that was the thing with brody is like he knew something about everyone like you know if it was me it'd be like tom clark and he's like you know, or you'd be laughing in the no, back of the like room. The small he'd be, town you're yeah, from. and he'd yeah. be like, "Clark, getting the Clark laughs." Gets it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and it just made you feel so good because comics are so closed off, and they aren't ones to like shout your name across right. the room. And yeah. Brody always did that, and there yeah. was just something so wonderful about. Yeah, I that. think he saw it, he was saw it from a different perspective than the rest. Like he, I, I get on stage sometimes, and I'm like, "Oh, whoa, this is on stage." And then when you're off stage, even at the West Side, it's a small theater. Right. But on stage, to me, I'm still like, I'm on stage, and this is a weird thing. He was just that was it. That was his home. There's no weird fourth wall barrier. It was like. Mm-hmm. Could be a thousand people there. Could be a hundred. Could be twelve people in a coffee shop. Right. So anyway, so what was going down was Brody was doing shows, was doing warm up. He was having some issues. He was on Chelsea lately. I think he might have gotten right. fired from there because he got in an argument with an audience member. And he could be combative, <laughs> you know, with his warm ups and like he would warm up every show. Like he was right. the guy, and so he yeah, was busy. Yeah. And it was this thing of like Zach and our friend Mike Gibbons, who produced and created like. Tosh.0 and he's part of like the carpool karaoke accordion. He's been late night writer and stuff. Mm -hmm. Very funny guys. So those three got together and they're like, what, what can we do? Get Brody out there. Maybe have him be seen how we see him. He's like the comedian's comedian. Every comedian knows him and thinks he's funny, but he hasn't found that one vehicle yet. So they apparently pitch it with no real pitch. And those guys telling the story is pretty funny. Gibbons was telling it the other night when we were all at the memorial and stuff, but like they walked into the room and were like, so here's Zach from The Hangover, really mm-hmm. super famous and like, you know, doing really well. And Gibbons had some track record and then Brody. And they're like, so what's the show? And they're like, we don't really know. And I guess <laughs> H- an HBO leader was like, okay, we'll do it. And Zach's like, no, wait, did you not hear what we said? <laughs> right. There's no show. They're like, yeah, no, we like it. We'll, you guys will figure it out. They're like, okay. So they left. They come to Joe Wagner and I. 
because Joe Wagner's Brody's friend and roommate and knows him really intimately, and they asked me because of the sports angle. And I think originally the first show was going to be kind of more sports oriented, like have him talking about sports and doing things and kind of a man on the street. Here's Brody, the former college baseball player, you know, and here's his life. So it's all these different elements. And it was a documentary about him, but it was also trying to do some other stuff. And we shot it with Jonathan Kreisel was the director and he's oh, yeah, in Portlandia. From, and yeah, yeah. Oh, he's wow. a, like amazing guy. And uh, so he was involved. So it was Brody Gibbons, Zach, Joe and I originally sitting mm-hmm. around a table brainstorming, coming with ideas and then Chrysler and then we shot a few things for HBO and it looked good, but it was kind of still like, what is this show really? And it was a little manic. We tried to sh- make it feel a little manicky and its energy throughout, like kind of like jumping from things and yeah, that, that, intentionally did that. That opening credit sequence oh, is one of my amazing. favorite yeah, so things it's is so that good. drumming and that, yeah. who, who did that? Like, well, Chrysler and Bill Benz, Bill Benz from the original uh, Jonathan Kreisel and now Bill Benz who's directing and doing a bunch of stuff too and then Dean Fleischerkamp got involved too when we went to uh-huh. series and he's very talented so it was a few different people and Joe I was involved in editing a lot mm-hmm. but not a lot I mean like a, a fair amount but in writing and stuff but Joe Wagner was really in there and those guys the editors so Joe had a huge hand in it yeah. so anyway so he, we did this first thing and it was like oh this is cool and I was not on Twitter much and then all of a sudden some people were like have you seen Brody's Twitter feed and I was like what and I remember going to Zach's house here in Venice because he's not on social media or Twitter right. or any of that stuff and I was like dude something's going down and he's like what he's like I'm like check it out and like we're looking at Twitter and Brody's like calling out Hollywood calling out ZG like ZG's a fake poser and I'm gonna burn this town down and he's started having a manic breakdown uh-huh. said he had a gun filmed himself with a guy and he says i have a baseball bat if you look at that woman again i'll beat you up like wow. like posting it too right filming and posting himself and then you looked at his eyes and i was like oh no like his eyes were black like no pupils and he swore and if you knew brody right. brody never swore he would mm-hmm. never you'd say words but he'd never use the f word and he was like i'll fucking kill you i'll do this and i was like this isn't good Long story short, a few days later, his manager, Dave Rath, wonderful man, and they all went, intervened, got him, and he had to be arrested physically, handcuffed, right. and taken in to UCLA Medical Center on a 5150, which was a 72-hour evaluation. He ended up staying two weeks. Wow. And while he was in there, people would visit. There's some amazing photos of him. Like, Zach came in with his helmet. There's a funny shot of Brody in, in the hospital bed with a helmet on. And, <laughs> uh Kevin Lee Light, you know, Hollywood, uh, Sunset Jesus. The oh, guy, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he went there. So people visited him, and he was, as he was, you know, coming around, he thought it might be interesting to document him putting his life back together. Okay. Like, okay, if you want to do that. And I was like, so I think Bro- that'd be cool. Brody, so Brody was really a big pusher of like let's document me going and building bridge like going and talking to chelsea about why he got fired right. and going on dates and we have all kind of like you know reality tv elements that were somewhat produced as well as his family stuff as well as his stand-up and then we did some great animated i wish i knew the animators names like some of his great stories are animated oh yeah and really well the done. baseball one the baseball scene is one of the greatest this makes it's, me laugh so hard with he uh. and zach and <laughs> his, the run at the end is just very right. much brody stevens when it, you know, it's just if you look that up if you were listening yeah it's and really then the sitcom amazing. one is really yeah the cool. fake i was pretty stoked on that i wrote i got to write one of the episodes on that like we did a few fake sitcom things but i wasn't there for the tape of it 
because I was shooting a commercial in Mexico. And that's what I was going to say was, about... I, I thought it was really fun. It's like yeah. dark, yeah. that it was dark, dark comedy it, element. It was yeah. Really, well, the first he's scene a good was, actor in it, too. He, yeah, and he was good. And he comes home, and they're like, we're like, honey, I'm home from the loony bin. You know, fake laugh track, takes yeah. off a straight jacket, puts it on. Right. You know, that kind of like really calling it He was out. really... Like, he nailed that yeah. role. Like, you for, like I, I, I wish he did more of the acting stuff because yeah. he's really well I wish more people saw that show and I wish more people were like able to go and tell him like how much it helped them to see someone yeah. going through what he was going through because we have him at therapy he was going right. on continual ther- talk therapy as he referred to it um, <laughs> right. he would go to talk therapy with this woman at, at the com- at the laugh factory right. upstairs there which was always trippy but you know we had people talking but it was this thing of like Bipolar is this and that, and then depression is this. So if you take medicine for depression, it's not touching the bipolar, and you're still bipolar, and it's not going to help. But you'll feel okay. But you're still bi- like so. He wasn't taking the right medicines, mm. and so that was really hard and frustrating. And he and I had a weird relationship long before this show. Like he, we, he and I would get along, but not great. Like we were friends, but we weren't buddies. And then on the show, I became kind of the enemy the point like the guy he'd push back against right so i had to like work my way around that i'd literally have to pitch stuff to joe i'd say joe tell him this or zach even like because he would listen to them very differently than he would listen to me and i'd get stuff in that way which was frustrating and annoying but also i kind of accepted it and it was weird working on a show documenting someone's life who was also involved in the editing and could say i don't want to show that when it was like I know, but that's real life and that's what we're doing. Right. You know? So it was, there were elements that were kind of still to me that were a little weird. And there's still that thing of like, was it the best thing for him? Were, were yeah. we, you know, should we have been like, you know what, even though it seems like a good idea, is this going to be a good idea? And then I thought it would be. I watched mm-hmm. the show and I thought it was well made. I thought it was interesting and compelling. And then yeah. they put it on at midnight on Sunday nights and nobody saw it. I loved it. We yeah, would watch so, it. Yeah. Like, so that's well like, done how I learned about Brody and like became a really big fan. And I went to a show once with my friend to go see him. And like, I mean, I thought it was a really, really amazing, well done show. Just, just so many different elements to it. Yeah. Well, Joe Wagner came up with the term sketchality. What is this show? Is it a reality show? Is it a sketch show? Is it comedy? And it was like, sketchality. Cause we had some stuff we shot that you didn't see like fake commercials for, for, baby wipes because he was a big proponent of baby wipes. <laughs> <laughs> we had stuff like that we had a dumb show like a like a bachelor parody where he was handing out baseballs will you accept oh my this gosh. ball you know things like that and like so we did you know so that's all shot but it never i don't think that one we shot that was the one we pitched i think i i remember that one because it was my idea and i really wanted him to do right, it because right. i was like will you accept this ball would be just so stupid at the time but we shot the commercial one and yeah there's different things we shot but um I don't know. I'm hoping more people are watching it now, which sucks to be like, this guy After is no longer fact. here. Now go watch it. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a bummer. But well, I know I'm glad a lo- you guys liked it because I, yeah. I thought it was really. Yeah, a couple weeks before he he passed, I he had written about how his Amazon uh, special had gotten one. negative reviews, and and I I also have a special on Amazon, and and he had received and literally from some of the same people he received oh, really? negative reviews. So I wrote on a, a comment, and I just said. Hey man, you know, it's like I, I've gotten some of these same comments and if you look at their reviews, like these guys have given like a can opener a one star review. It's right. like don't feel bad. He's like, I'm right. getting the same thing. And he's, and I just said, You're the best. He, yeah. And he's like, Tom Clark, good detective work, Tom. I think I I think yeah. I even saw that exchange yeah. too, because I read that. Cause like I would not talk to Brody a lot, but we'd see each other in the last couple years after the show and everything. 
we'd be totally cordial and nice and good to each other. But there were times during that show when I was like, this guy's impossible. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and he was really mean to other people. And, and, you know, it was hard to separate his illness from him. Cause it was like, and then he'd be apologetic and good. Like we had one big run in where I, I told him we were what he wanted to film by the Hollywood sign. I was like, I don't think we can go up there. It's you can't. Mm-hmm. And I think I had just seen something on the news about hikers getting arrested trying to hike right. to the site. And he's like, you can do it. I need people on my, like, who can produce? Like, didn't want to, like, don't say no. Like, I'm right. like, okay, cool. And we were in two different cars in the canyons, and we had camera there and this. And, like, you know, phones weren't working. And I'm like, you guys want to do it? Go ahead. Go. Go do it. Mm-hmm. And they drove off, and they went up. Half hour later, I meet him down there, and Wagner has a big smile on his face. And Brody's looking at me, and he goes, what do you have to say, Brody? And Brody's like, sorry. He's like, you were right. And we talked about it. And like, you couldn't go up there. And it was just like, right. I guess as much as you want to, I'd love to go do it, man. But we can't. And then we apologize. He apologized. I was like, look, I'm on your team. I want this to be a good show. I'm not trying to fight you. This we can't. Some things we can't do, or you know, whatever. He goes, okay. And we looked each other in the eye. Thought we were good. I went to go to some audition or something. They went to his house, and he spent 45 minutes talking about it, about how I was not a team player. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, that's just like. Would, would he fixate on stuff like that? Yeah, a little bit. And it was a lot with me, and then it became with uh, with Joe Wagner. Right. Saw, like Joe, he enjoyed a big falling out, and, you know, I was really hoping Brody would come around and kind of just apologize and, you know, right. and be the grown-up about it. and. They never did, so that's really a bummer. But yeah, he would yeah. do that. He wouldn't do it. He'd do it mostly with people he knew. You know, it's safer with people like me and Joe. Like right. he knows we're not right. gonna fire him or, or leave. Like this is our job. We're working for this thing, and you know, we'll take it. He snapped at Tom Sharp one time on a shoot, and, and Tom Sharp on is the, one of the nicest, calmest, nicest, most even keel, greatest guy. Right. And like he yelled at him because Tom accidentally knocked over a shampoo bottle onto his foot when they were filming something in the shower. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, it probably hurt. Accidents happen. But like it then became a 10 minute like you have to be professional. Right. I can't. And then, of course, it ends with him smiling and laughing and fist bumping. But there's a lot of him processing and getting over his anger while you're there listening to it. It was like, all right, man. It's really the process of his his brain just sort of like it's like he's he's talking about the process of thinking. Like yeah. he's, he's explaining what's going through. And then, yeah, then he reaches a resolution. Like his brain's like, all right. Yeah. And then, but he says he it all out loud. It, right. Yeah. But there yeah. was, I think some of Stephen, um, I forgot his name. Stephen Randolph had a story about going to Arizona and they were going to go to a gig. And he's like, and Brody's like, I'm going to take a nap, but we need to wake up in Blythe so we can get gas. Otherwise we can't get gas. Right. And Steven was like excited about the road trip and he just kept driving. And then, and then Brody wakes up and he's like, where are we? He's like, he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, we're past Blythe. Aren't we? He's like, you have to go back to Blythe, pull over. And he just reamed Steven for like the next half hour as they drove, turned around and wow. drove 45 minutes back. And, uh, and he's like, he, he like broke down like he talks about it on his podcast yeah. but he says how he started crying uh, <laughs> and brody's but that's how intense brody yeah. can be and it's like he really if you if he's like loyalty was a big thing yes. and i think that's what he felt with the audience yeah. too is like he, look this is a, i'm making you laugh like this yeah. is an agreement we're making and if we're you violate that yeah he was big on that yeah and so as soon as he felt like i wasn't on his side it was like oh game over and it was difficult there'd be days when i was like i'm not gonna go on that shoot you know Mm -hmm. i'll stay here like which is a bummer because i like being out there and doing stuff but 
had to choose my battles. Um, yeah. So yeah. His his half hour is so funny. Yeah. It's it's so like there's a, so many half hours that get released like, and his like from beginning yeah, to end really just that. I always loved Steve Martin when he'd open with the rambling guy. Yeah. And I thought, and I always wanted to capture that in my own stand-up. I could never figure it out. But Brody, like, that opening with the tambourine. Yeah. And it's, like, push, believe, like, and the guitar or yeah. whatever. Like, to me, that was, like, that's, like, that's, it's that's like, stadium-worthy. Because yeah. it's, yeah. like, it's, like, a rock concert. And yeah. I always wanted that. And, it, and Brody really captured that. And the tambourine, like, how did he figure out... I'll have a tambourine in my ass. I think that's from those late night comedy store sets, being there at one in the morning when no one's there and just kind of free form. And he would have uh, like 20 minutes and he'd have time to do whatever he wanted. Right. And then it was just also the confidence. There are times he would do that. Like there's, it was in the show and it's one of the great like comedic moments I've seen where he's at like uh, UCB and he's right. doing the tambourine <laughs> and then he stops and he's leaning against the back wall and he goes, what didn't you like about it? <laughs> it's just like, What's there to like about it? You're just a guy on stage shaking a tambourine. Like, I came to see comedy. What the fuck? Why are you don't you like about? this? Yeah. yeah, and like, and the one other one like is like, laugh on cadence alone. Right, like, right. This right. whole thing of like, I get laugh. Uh, no, yeah, I, yeah. I still, <laughs> still can't believe it. I well, don't want to admit it. Still, you know, it's just such a bummer because, yeah, I thought he'd be around and figure it out. You know? Yeah, it, I think it is like one of those things like where you. Like I, I think like like when people have diabetes and they have to give themselves yeah. sh- insulin shots, it's like you don't want to be- not to compare mental illness with that, but it's like yeah. they don't want to believe similar. the fa- yeah, but they don't want to believe the fact that oh I got to give my shots every yeah. insulin and shot. it's just not fair. My nephew has that type yeah. one, and he was here this weekend, and it's that thing of like it's I mean it sucks, right? So you, unfair. Like all of a sudden, this one kid out of a hundred has to have a thing on him and not be able to drink beer and have sugar and right. you know it's just brutal. And, and the same, I think mental illness is the same. Right. If, we treated mental illness like we treat cancer and you had a friend who had cancer and they're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do radiation today. I don't feel like it. it was like, oh, no, you're going to go do radiation. I'm driving right. you there. And if right. your friend's like, I'm not going to take my medicine. It's like, yeah, maybe don't. You're like, no, once you start that medicine, you got to stay on that. Right. You know, and you got to be on it. And you and start mixing that up with smoking pot or whatever. Yeah, it's and like he was smoking weed and he, you know, wanted to smoke weed. He didn't drink, but he liked smoking pot. And it was like, OK, well, the pot is not helping the bipolar. It might be making you feel better with depression, because I do that when I get depressed. I smoke pot, which is the, the exact opposite thing you should do. <laughs> right. And it's like, because it's habitual, and it's a sling, like, oh, this will fix it. It's like, no, it's not. But if you're on, if you're bipolar and you're not doing that, that's yeah. that's the thing. And that's, you know, like Robin Williams. Like, you see him on stage sweating his brains out, running around the audience. What do you think he did? He did cocaine, because what is he going to do? Stop that? Right. Because if you went home, like, to the hotel room, that's when it's like, now you're crying and you're sad and, like, you're exhausted and lonely. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well. So. Fun. Comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we all came over, came Robin Williams. Let's talk about um, other projects. Well, Scott, yeah. Like, I, I just wanted to, just to finish up with Brody, was, did you feel like, because I, I saw you at the memorial, I saw, and I know Zach was there, obviously, yeah. and Tom, and, and well, Joe didn't make it down. Any, right. But um, did you have you reached any sort of like reconciliation with it or, or no, I think I'm still even just talking about it now. It's still, I think I'm in that phase of like, I'm coming to terms with it. I still don't want to, I have his t-shirt over there by my door door. I'm going to give to a friend. I see mm-hmm. it. I'm always still just like, 
ah, dang it, that's weird. Like, I just, you know, he's just one of those people you thought would be around this scene forever. Like, I could picture him being at the comedy store when he's 70, being, like, at the door guy and being like, oh, it's Brody, (laughs) you know, truly. Like, just, I know. So, yeah, so it's it's heavy. And it's, being there that night was great and coming to terms with it. But even still, I was expecting him to bounce out on the stage and just follow Zach, who was amazing, and Gans was amazing, and Jeff Ross was amazing. His friends, he had three friends from home that have known him all his life was mm-hmm. just crushing and his little league baseball coach was there right right so that was unbelievable and then i thought brody would come out and just be like yes those guys were okay but i'm you know whatever yeah. <laughs> like you know he'd not correct, funny he'd yeah, correct like people Jeff Ross, you know whatever and like right. yeah so it's still kind of a shock but and it kind of i think also his, his presence on social media was so big yeah. like because you'd see those pictures of him or videos of him every day you would just see that and you'd yeah. feel like oh i'm part of brody's life right. yeah and and i didn't realize like he did a show for us uh in in 2015 i think it was and stuff went wanted to get a picture with him it was right after the show uh the brody enjoy it and brody was like okay let's get some good lighting here yeah, and he's he like oh, he's, so he was like about how yeah. he looked yeah, yeah. I hope they, because I remember that was a big thing, because he wanted to get a picture on the improv wall, that painting, oh, uh, wow. and he, the mural, so he wanted to get a picture there. So I took the picture, but I know that was a big thing, was to right. be on that mural. Mm. Is it, so I hopefully... I wonder, I think, I don't know, I hope they do too, that'd be cool. Yeah, but it's like, but it's all like, uh, it's all after the fact. It's like, yeah. it doesn't, you know, it's great to yeah. ha- remember him, but it's like, I'd rather have him here. Exactly. Because, uh, yeah, he was just such a... He's one uh, of a truly one of a kind. Like I yeah, mean, you say that be, about they, people. Like yeah, there yeah. are very few one of a kinds in comedy nowadays, and that dude was definitely one. Where you're like, yeah, if someone comes along and you'll be like, nope, you're trying to be Brody. Right. You can't do that. Yeah. Even though there was a time when people would compare him to Todd Glass. I remember that. Oh yeah. There was kind of a thing because Todd Glass had had a similar vibe, but Todd Glass very different humor, mm-hmm. very much more you know s- traditional stand up within his tones. But yeah, Brody definitely. Right. One of a kind. He could oh, walk yeah. into any room. He, I saw a video someone posted from their wedding, and he's doing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. we That's Stephen Randolph. Yeah. That's the. Uh, that's yeah. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. So. And he's like doing like twenty minutes. <laughs> right. I can see why no other what comedians wanted to do this. Like, what do you mean, no other comedian? No, they're not asking comedians to fucking do their <laughs> wedding, dummy. You're a friend of theirs. <laughs> it's a toast. It's not yeah, a it's set. A toast. Yeah. It's not a fucking he's, set. He's, he's doing, doing jokes. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I love when he put the mic down. That's what I loved about this half hour was that he said, like, I'm retiring these jokes. And he's like, clearly not no, going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and yeah, the thing on his half hour is just so, where he's just naming things in Boston. He's like oh, Ben Affleck, Argo. Palmer. It was against my. It's like I haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't paid my SAG dues. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much. Uh, uh, there's just so many things that I I miss about that guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he does live on. That's a cool yeah. thing. He does live yeah. on in his videos and in all his bit roles on movies and stuff. And yeah, I guess Comedy Central is streaming. Enjoy it. People, someone told me. Oh, good, I'm good. Go back and watch it. Yeah, I think they were. I think we were. We watched. We, we watched it recently. Oh, it. cool. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's such a well done. I think yeah. you know, you guys. I think it was a tribute to him. I mean, I think it was one of those things but it was like he was involved in the process yeah. so that was nice it wasn't like yeah and it was good it, it wasn't only bad but it was that thing of like at times it was like 
you can't for that same reason what didn't want to look good he wanted to look good in the thing and it was like well this is a powerful moment but it was like he didn't like something about it right like, okay right so he had say which was part of the deal too because it was like we're not going to exploit you or make you feel like you're not being you know given a chance here right. so it was a trade-off but there were parts of me that wish he was a little like we did show a little more of the stuff that he could then be like whoa okay let me address this right okay. yeah um so what's uh what are you doing now not What's a lot yeah nice i just literally time. just talked yeah. to my agent it's super slow for me yeah uh, acting wise so i've been hanging out and i got a couple commercials running so that's okay i get a little money there but i'm trying to develop uh this short film i made 20 years ago uh, called the runner and i just did a follow-up with my friend paul basie who i made it with it was a mockumentary about a career production assistant that i made in the late 90s zach's in it Right. He, he plays an actor and it played in a bunch of festivals. Explain what uh, what a production assistant is. A PA is like the gopher. It's the lowest man or woman on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, you in know, the, movie the duo business, in the yeah. movie business. Like it's, yeah, it's like an office assistant. Like the PA goes and gets coffees. That's like the main thing. Get the right. coffee, get my dry cleaning, get um, whatever, like running errands. You can do anything on a, on a set. Um, and so the idea came 20 years ago came and it's called The Runner. And it came from a L.A. Times commercial I saw before a movie where there was kind of pretentious talking about like set design or something. I'm right. Like, wow, that's interesting. Would be the the most pretentious person on a set thinking they're amazing would be a runner. Yeah. <laughs> and I had done that job, and so I was like, all right, make it about this guy whose career PA doesn't want to do anything else. This is it. Loves his job. And like I said, I turned out really well. Shot it with a few friends. My buddy edited it. This guy Josh Belson did a great job shot it on an old video camera and we forgot to do the color thing so it was really awful looking and my friend's like what if we make it black and white and i'm like that's amazing so it became black and white which made it even more pretentious (laughs) with at the very end it went to color where i was wrapped in an american flag which is still one of my favorite things so yeah so i made it into festivals and like won awards people loved it i had to deal with um universal studios website to like be on movies promoting their movies and like mentioned they're like you go be with ron howard mm-hmm. go write up a script so wrote up scripts and a week later they're like we lost our money oh. and so that went away and then it came back and went away again at some other things and it's been this thing always in the back of my mind that i always thought i was too young back then to be a career pa didn't really play because i looked like i was 20 something i was 20 something but i didn't have a beard or anything and i even looked younger and i was like that doesn't make sense so then my buddy's like why don't we do a master class and i was like cool and so oh, yeah. he pretty much wrote up the script and we ad-libbed and i had some stuff but it was mostly his doing and he edited it and did a great job i was nervous because he was newer to editing it was taking a while and then uh, thankfully he was like no i'm gonna edit it and i was cool because it's really well made and it's my character jimmy o'brien 20 years later saying that he's been a pa for 31 years teaching a master class <laughs> and so that's good and that turned out really well and so now i'm trying to figure out how to develop it into a pilot like make an ensemble right right office meets uh you know extras like those two shows like oh yeah, a mix yeah between extras the two. is great yeah yeah like that but you know so doing that and then yeah really just kind of waiting around for auditions and it's starting to go it's getting driving me crazy because yeah it's not a good place yeah. the devil's where can we is, is there a place we can watch the runner um, probably on my Facebook page. I haven't really, we haven't done much of it. I would like to be able to say, yeah, it's on Vimeo under my friend's name, but, uh, I don't know if you search masterclass PA, Jimmy O'Brien, uh-huh. 
<laughs> Dennis Gubbins, Paul Basie. Search all those things on a website of some sort. Um, I don't know. That would be a good thing to tell people because I would love more people to see it because everyone who's seen it really likes it. And I had one producer like it and send it to someone. They're like, we love it. It's hilarious, but not for us. And I was like, motherfuckers. Because <laughs> it could be done. I could do it. And there's a few ways to go about it. So, yeah, that's one thing I'm working on. And then trying to help friends write some scripts. But, yeah. I like that idea of a guy who's not aspiring to be a director or a writer. Yeah. He's just like happy with well, that. Well, yeah, and that was my friend, one friend who I, I think it's a great idea would have for like the end of season one is like he's talking to someone, you know, on set and mentions something. The guy comes back a few weeks later and he's like, hey, I, I mentioned what you said to my writing partner and we're going to do it. He's like, what? And so then he gets a job as like an EP. Right, right. And then you see him leave and he's now EP of a show that he right. unwittingly created and then, you know, goes back to being a PA because that's all he wants to do. Yeah, it could be funny that like the whole uh, <laughs> the director getting fired in the middle of it and then yeah. he's like, well, what I would do is this shot as I would set up that. Yeah. Here. And he's, but well, because he has a wealth coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, like, he has like he all this second yeah. knowledge. He's yeah. like, anyways, what do you yeah. want? Cream and sugar in your right. coffee? Because <laughs> yeah, he is kind of like the I character a little bit. I reference um, Chance the Gardener from being there. Oh yeah. Chauncey Gardner. So, you know, his name is Chance the gardener, and then they're like, "Oh, you're Chauncey Gardner." It's like, no, and then he becomes vice president. Right, Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers is in the movie. Oh. It's a really weird. But I read the book in college. Oh, really? Love the book, and then saw the movie, and the movie was cool. But the book is amazing, and it's kind of like what we got now. Trump is basically, it's just like showing how gross political systems are. That you just, this guy is a he's a, a kind of a weird autistic lonely guy right. who is the gardener of a person who died, and he still stayed there, and then all of a sudden gets swept up into uh, D.C. politics. And they're like, who are you? He's like, Chance the Gardner. And they're like, oh, wait, what? Chance, Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner. This is Chauncey Gardner. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And he becomes this person. Oh, wow. And yeah. And he sort of, like he it. says, he says stuff about oh. gar growing plants yes. and stuff. And, and then they think it's like analogies yeah. for living your oh, life. That's, that's and really they think What do you think genius. about the Middle East? Well, you know, all plants need water and time and, and nurturing. Yeah, he's right. Let's give him a week. Yeah, whatever it is. I forget the specific. <laughs> right. But, but it, it is that thing, and it's fucking yeah, it's, sketchy and really smart. It's hard yeah. to pull that off. Yeah. In my thing, yeah. I mentioned that. I go, I'm kind of like Chance the Gardener. Right. In that, you know, he's just a simple guy. And it's kind of that thing, too, is like, I would like a TV show that's kind of nice and sweet. Like, the main guy's not a drug-dealing murderer that you all of a sudden right. have to be like, Oh, I'm cheering for this guy, or isn't well, a bad yeah. person. Like, I feel would that like, be cool. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like, like that's like the next decent people, like yeah. to watch decent people doing decent things. You think yeah. so? I think that's the next step too. Is like because there's been so many shows about stand up and, and yeah. the inside workings of stand up, and now with all these TV shows getting made and all this streaming, yeah. it's like I think people, more people are creating stuff too, and it's like yeah. getting at that inside. Well, yeah, it was yeah, kind of like niche. one of the grid lines from this new one that Paul came up with. It was like my character's talking about being a PA and it's like YouTube Red, Hulu, Amazon Prime. There's never been a better time to be a PA than there is right now. Right. <laughs> it's like there's so much work out there for PAs, Yeah, you know, and it's like it's true. There's work out there for actors and there's content, but it is weird how hard it is still to get stuff in there. I, I'd love to have a moment with that character talking to like the younger PAs and explaining how yep. how the business used to work. He's yeah. like, you guys, you guys got it. So easy. Well, they got the Thomas stuff. guides. And yeah. Like, you know. yeah, there's so much you can explore with that. Yeah. It yeah. All of so it's good. on the phone now. And especially like all the, yeah, 
because all the young PAs they don't want to be there. No, that's and exactly. Like, yeah. But you're so like in the one I got the young young dude who's you know, who's twenty something and he's gonna run run Hollywood by the time he's thirty. You know right. that character right. to balance, counterbalance him, and then the woman the uh, the like the wardrobe stylist woman who has a crush on him but he doesn't see it like kind of flip right. that unrequited love thing to where she's like pining after this guy who's just like oblivious to it because it's like what <laughs> yeah so yeah so that so let's write that so much i'm gonna uh, overcome my uh inner, inner voice that says i can't write on my own and write right. that that's what, and then the next podcast we'll talk about how i wrote the pilot yeah um but uh where any social media where can people check you out um i'm on instagram a little bit dgubs d-g-u-b-s and then i don't do twitter but i have a twitter handle I'm D-Gubs for all, I think now. I switched it around. D-Gubs for all. D-Gubs for all. And then, because I couldn't do D-Gubs. Um, and then Facebook is my name. And I'd like to get a different Facebook page because I need to spend less time on Facebook. You need a and fan page. But I don't, yeah, I'm not, set. it's part of my, uh, I'm like, I'm that older, like, I just, the Facebook and being on it, I like being on it, but I don't do it to, like, self-promote. I should probably do more stuff on there, but... Mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't tweet. I can't follow along. I don't get how Twitter works. I feel I mean, really I old. I don't like Twitter. Not when yeah. people are like in discussions, is like, wait, who's talking to who? Is this a reference to what? Yeah, I can't <laughs> like I just out. saw, you know, the funny first tweet. That's cool. And then I was like, what are these people saying? Right. <laughs> it's hard to. Same, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand how people can be outraged by stuff every day. Like every day yeah. on Twitter, there's something people are upset about. I'm like, yeah. I just don't have the energy. Like, For you. Yeah. No, I know, because there is a plenty to be outraged about, and it's better yeah. not to be. Um, anyways, we... Oh, the, the West Side is the oh, second Oh, West Side, yeah. The Laugh Party, West Side Comedy Theater Laugh Party, every yeah, second party. Thursday of the month. I've um, been doing that show for like eight, nine years now. Yeah, Today is the 10th ten anniversary ten for the West Side Comedy yeah, Theater. Yeah. And yeah, I think I've been doing that show. I started with Carrie Clifford probably, I think, in 2010. Wow. Or 2011. Yeah. Wow. Maybe 2011. Yeah, I think 2011. Um, anyway, yeah, so so that's been fun. It's been interesting being a booker of a show. It's weird. I don't get asked to be on other people's shows. I think people <laughs> think of me as a booker. You and can not do a my show. You're always I'd love to. I appreciate it. I'm yeah? in. But it is a weird thing of like, huh, hmm, I've been doing this for a long time. And like, I know other I people are doing shows. I find the same thing happens to me yeah. too. I think you just kind of put people into a, a thing of like, oh, they book a show. They're not really... Well, well, Steph will say, like, if, if she knows somebody's books a show, she'll be like, yeah, I'd love to do your show. And then it's like this game Great of chicken crickets, of like, yeah, I'll wait till I get a date to <laughs> yeah. have them on my show. Yeah, it's like because I don't trust a lot of these people. No, oh, yeah. no, yeah, you can't. It, you can't. They're you can't, right? Scummy comedians. A lot of them are. I mean, yeah. some are nice. Yeah, but we still get on stage. So we all overcame that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I think uh, that wraps it all up very nicely. Um, thank oh, and you. I'm single. Oh, and he, oh boy, oh, you, yeah. what, are you yeah. D Gubs on Tinder? Oh no, no, I'm not on any of those dating apps. But I've gone on a few dates recently, and I have a new bit to talk about on stage because of uh, something that happened post date with this one woman. She sent me a voice memo. Oh. Texted me a voice memo. Oh yeah, yeah. Saying she just wants to be friends, and I was like, wow, that's new. <laughs> like, I get it A voice memo As opposed Like I get it A text would be whatever It's like a Not step a up From a text Well she, you can't like, risk it Because right? what if I answer yeah, exactly. Then she's got to talk to me Right But this way She knows I get it I can hear her voice And she's made it specific to me And stuff And she was nice And it's cool And I got it I wasn't like in love with her But I would have definitely hung out And gone on more dates with her Or see if there was something there Like first date Blind date Was kind of hard to know But um, 
I was like the bit like if I talk about on stage would be like you know she had a generic one that was just like hey you so fun meeting you but But. I'm not (laughs) feeling it take care like just like and then just send that to every guy she goes on a date with so yes that was kind of fun but yeah (laughs) that's a new one I've never heard anyone I don't know if I'm gonna overcome that one or not stay tuned all right uh, <laughs> we were ending on such an up note. Now Dennis is. Alone. I had to bring it down. Well, oh, yeah. well, what what do you like in a lady? Maybe our listeners can yeah, reach already, out. Yeah, yeah. The most I, I like. Um, I do like. I do like vaginas, but um. <laughs> <laughs> so have a vagina. One. That'd be a big point. No, smart and funny and independent. Those are the ones I like, right. and you know, somewhat active. Like you know, not like a homebody someone who likes to get out and maybe hiking and biking and play sports because i do that stuff and someone who's smart and someone who has their own world to live in too because i'm not a big person who co like sounds like, like my mom i'm don't, always trying to get my mom yeah don't set her up, him up with your mom. Not that old. <laughs> she's young i'm kidding how old's your mom she's young enough <laughs> 67 she's not that old yes she is no she's not how do you not know your mom's age she likes younger men well alright uh, this is not I feel like we really <laughs> took a turn here at the end give, um, her, my, give her my Instagram what <laughs> I don't know if she knows how to use Instagram anyway, oh. but, and Dennis lives in a very nice place here in Venice yeah, here so in that's Venice. the other that's the other benefit you date got Dennis got a good dog right by the dog beach dad. Leland Leland yeah. wants to come in uh, so thank you so much, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. And uh, we will uh, see you guys next time. We're here. See you guys next time. They'll hear us. They'll hear us. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.